0: Express bet your favorite horse but can't make it to the racebook? South Point Casinos Racebook has the answer. Come in and sign up for the Nevada Racebook Mobile app. For just a $50 minimum deposit, you'll have the race book right at your fingertips, no matter where you are in Nevada. It's convenient, fun, and easy to use. When you do have time to visit, South Point Casino is the perfect place to be. Our race book is completely separate from the sports book and totally dedicated to the horse player. With 52 overhead TVs, free Wi-Fi, and cocktail service, bring your tablet or smartphone and plug into the USB ports to look up your favorite handicapping website without draining your battery. Want to wager from your seat? No problem with our Just sign up, make a deposit, and you're off to the races. Plus, you'll earn points for dining, hotel, movies, entertainment, and the spa just by using the club card when wagering. Whether you want to come in or play from the comfort of your home, South Point Casino's Racebook has you covered.
1: Born from the tragedy of 9 11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is committed to helping our nation's heroes and their families in their darkest hours. When a first responder or veteran doesn't return home and leaves behind a young family, Tunnel to Towers supports them. The foundation pays off their mortgages and lifts their financial burdens through their Gold Star Family Home Program and Fallen First Responder Home Program. Through their Smart Home Program, catastrophically injured veterans and first responders regain their independence with a mortgage free home, specially adapted to meet their unique physical needs. Tunnel to Towers also provides housing assistance and services to our nation's homeless veterans through their Homeless Veteran Program. They are helping more than 2,000 in 2023 because no veteran should be living on the streets of the country they signed up to protect. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices made by our nation's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org.
3: Welcome to the Race Day Las Vegas radio program for this Wednesday as we kick off another week of thoroughbred racing covering it Las Vegas style from the studios here at the South Point, the South Point Studios at the South Point Hotel Casino in fabulous Las Vegas on the Strip. We welcome you to the show and of course we welcome you all of you uh, watching us on the uh, South Point Studios uh feed at uh, youtube just go to youtube and hit south point studio get on there and uh, don't forget to subscribe to us and you can see us on that uh... vehicle now and of course uh... all of our other platforms that we still have like our radio station here in las vegas our local station sports talk fourteen hundred a m one oh seven point one and our websites race day vegas dot com dot vegas dot world dot global your iPhone, your Android with the KSHP uh, app that you put on your Android or your iPhone so you can hear us on your devices there. As well as uh, a lot of different places that we have podcasting as well. So simply put, however, wherever, whenever, welcome to the race day show for this Wednesday as we kick off another week of racing and sports here from the fabulous race and Sportsbook studio here at uh, South Point. Well, right now, the weather is, I think, the major factor in racing today. As a matter of fact, we had originally uh, seven racetracks on the racing menu today, but three of them have already been canceled. Those cancellations today, because of very frigid Arctic-type weather that's going through those areas, include uh, Parks Racing, Mahoning Valley, And the fairgrounds, Parks Racing, Mahoning Valley, and the fairgrounds will not race today as scheduled because of bad weather. So on the racing uh, calendar today, we have only four racetracks left to run as far as the racetracks coming in here to Las Vegas, Nevada. So your menu will be short and sweet today, that's for sure. On today's show, we have Jonathan Hardoon, of course. He'll be with us. He has selections today for the two of the four remaining racetracks here in Florida, Tampa Bay, and Gulfstream. And, of course, we'll have uh, John Leno stopping by. John's going to be stopping by, and we're going to be talking about a letter that was uh, brought to the California Horse Racing Board from the racetracks in Southern California, and the state of racing in California is at a a breaking point, really. And so we'll talk about that situation that was... uh, Headed up uh, this week at the uh, California Horse Racing Board, that's for sure. And, of course, uh, Jerry Jackowitz will be along. Jerry wants to talk a little bit about value plays today. And, of course, Rich Eng will be along because we have uh, now the divisional playoffs for the Super Bowl, the NFL playoffs coming up this weekend, and four fantastic games that I can't wait to see what Richie has to say. Uh, took, taking a look at what happened, uh, Monday was a racing day out at uh, uh, Santa Anita. It was a special Martin Luther King racing day at Santa Anita. And lo and behold, by the time they were done with the racing at Santa Anita on Monday, nobody had the pick six, which means there will be a carryover in the pick six at Santa Anita for Friday when they resume. That carryover is going to exceed... $100,000. As a matter of fact, it will be over $100,000 at San Anita. the Pick 6 carryover for Friday. On uh, Monday, uh, the biggest uh, result of uh, carrying it over to the carryover on Friday came in the last race. The last race winner paid $59.80 Thursday, Thursday with the uh, Giovanni Franco aboard, so that killed off any of the existing tickets that were available in the Pick 6 causing that carryover for Friday. As far as uh, other racing on uh, San, uh, Santa Anita on Monday, uh, Martin Luther King Day, the Pick 5. Wow, Pick 5, eighty, ten $10, fourteen forty five sixty, and the $59.80 winner. They combined for a 50-cent payoff in the Pick 5 of $10,612.20 on Monday at Santa Anita. Now, recapping uh, when we were last on the show on Sunday, on Sunday's races at Santa Anita, Phil DeMato ran first and second in the featured Las Cienegas stakes. Honey Pants outdueled her stablemate, Elm Drive, to win that six and a half furlong turf race down the hill. Honey Pants paid $40.40 for a Phil D'Amato trainee on the turf in the stakes race. Uh, Frankie DeTorre was the rider there. As, as a matter of fact, DeTorre had a, a, a good day of racing there at Santa Anita. The riding star of the day, however, was Antonio Fresu, who won three races on the card. That was uh, his third and final winner of the day, came uh, with Richie Eng's selection on uh, uh, Sunday, Midnight uh, Love, that paid $4 even, bet down from the favoritism there. And uh, Jerry Jackowitz had a reverse uh, winner on uh, Sunday at Santa Anita as well. His key horse, Big Rainbow, ran second to a link up Panda Peak. Panda Peak paid $8 for the win. The reverse dollar exacta paid $4.90. It was very short. The trifecta with the link-ups, however, the reverse trifecta paid $23.70 at Santa Anita. And the $1 coast-to-coast pick five with Gulfstream and Santa Anita races on Sunday paid $21,950.60 for the $1 base bet there. Jonathan Ardoon. At a second-place finisher in the last race at Santa Anita. And at an Aqueduct on Sunday, uh, the Franklin Square Stakes winner was my main squeeze, Jose Lascano's third win of the day for trainer Mike Maker. That was the favorite, paying 5 20 outrunning Bernie Takes Charge and Tricky Temper, who finished third in that race. Aqueduct, uh, that was on Sunday at Aqueduct. That was Jose Lascano's third win of the day. Just recapping some of the races that happened the last we were with you on Sunday. All right, well, we got to get started with the race day show, that's for sure. Temperatures across the country, look, it's about 40 degrees, 40, 42 degrees right now here in Las Vegas. We're going to get up to the mid to high 50s today here in Vegas, and it looks like we're going to start a warming trend because by the end of the week, by the weekend, should get into the 60s, low 60s, but it'll get into the 60s, and we don't... Uh, foresee any rain coming through this area until the early part of next week as far as the weather around the country as we say there's going to be arctic uh... conditions at uh, most of the racing centers that have already been uh... canceled but uh... taking a look at some of the highs for example san antonio forty seven uh... washington thirty these are the current uh, temperatures new york is sitting at twenty seven degrees Southern California 63, Miami 72, so you get the picture, that's for sure. Always fast, firm, and perfect in the race books here, that's uh, for certain. And we'll be back with Jonathan Hardoon, John Lendo, Rich Ang, and Jerry J, and hopefully you too as well on this uh, Wednesday show as we begin the race day shows for this week, coming to you live and direct from your gaming capital. Don't forget to go to YouTube, hit South Point Studio, get to see us, get to listen to us, and don't forget to subscribe. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
0: Want to make your favorite horse but can't make it to the race book? South Point Casino's race book has the answer.
3: Back on race day Las Vegas for this Wednesday show. Got to take a look at some of uh, what the action is going to be this weekend. Now, of course, you know, we're on the trail for the Kentucky Derby, the Kentucky Derby, uh, you know, uh, road to the Kentucky Derby. Now, this weekend coming up on uh, Saturday, the LeCompte. Now, the comp at Fairgrounds in New Orleans is going to have uh, 20 leaderboard points for the uh, leaderboard in the Kentucky Derby up for grabs. 20 points for the winner, 10 for second, 6 for third, 4 for fourth, 2 for third, uh, fifth, I should say. And that's a uh, little comp coming up on this weekend. then the following weekend, before we get into February, the Southwest Stakes will start off the uh, the Kentucky Derby series of races into the Arkansas Derby. The Southwest... Uh, at uh, Oaklawn Park on January 27th, we'll have the same point structure 20 to the winner, 10, 6, 4, and 2 on out. And then, of course, uh, we'll start uh, with uh, a lot of uh, the prep races that'll hold um, Kentucky Derby leaderboard points in February, a whole bunch of them there. So we're getting started with the Kentucky Derby horses, that's for sure. Um, let's get to the menu of racetracks available today in the Racebook, simulcast centers, and racetracks across the country. This one's going to be short, folks. <laughs> we only have four horses left on the uh, Kentucky Derby. I'm sorry, on the menu for today. We have plenty of horses left for the Kentucky Derby. But for only four racetracks left for the um, menu today. Wow, just four. All right, well, let's uh, let's do this. Let's get you, uh, if I can get the uh, carryovers working here. There we go. Nope it's not going to work. Okay, let's try that again. Here we go. All right, menu for today. We begin, of course, with, um, here we are, a little organized here now. We begin with Gulfstream Park. Now, Gulfstream Park is running today, of course, uh, Florida. uh, No uh, problems with the weather there. Gulfstream Park has a pick six jackpot carryover, $354,724. For the pick six jackpot carryover today, the rainbow jackpot carryover at Gulfstream, it's getting big, boy. That'll make a, an instant horse player holiday today for you guys. Gulfstream Park's first post time is at 910. All right, then we get to Tampa Bay Downs. Tampa Bay Downs has a pick six jackpot carryover, $22,019. And they also have a super high five carryover, just a regular super high five of $4,757. Their first post time is at 930. Then we go all the way to 2.55 this afternoon for Turfway Park. Now, they're in a part of the country that is in a deep freeze, too. But right now, they're still running. They do have that uh, Tapita uh, synthetic racetrack there. So it may not uh, freeze over. But in any case, right now, they're scheduled to go at 2.55 at uh, Turfway Park. But uh, keep an eye on it. They might cancel out a little bit later on. Uh, Turfway Parks uh, has a pick-six jackpot carryover. $27,671. And then we wrap it up with Penn National. And again, Penn National is in that area where when the sun sets, it's going to get pretty cold there, too. But for right now, Penn National is scheduled to go at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Now, those are the tracks that are scheduled to run. They're super high-five jackpot there at Penn National, by the way, 814 bucks. But those are the only four tracks that are still scheduled to run today. Some of them, at least two maybe, certainly, the two out of Florida may very well cancel later on. We'll wait and see as far as the weather conditions. But the tracks that are canceled today, Charlestown, Mahoning Valley, Parks Racing, uh, all three of those racetracks uh, canceled out because of frigid weather. So uh, the weather is taking its effect as far as uh, the cancellations are concerned. That's your menu. Short and sweet today. Thank goodness that uh, two of the racetracks are down in Florida and a big carryover at the. Uh, Gulfstream Park might get some action from the players today in their pick six jackpot. Let's bring in Jonathan Hardoon now. Jonathan, good morning. Good morning, Ralph. How are you? I am doing fine, my man. How are you doing? Freezing. Are <laughs> it was you are seven you, degrees? Are you're seven
2: se- degrees this morning. It was seven. It's up to like eighteen now, but it was freezing early this morning.
3: <laughs> wow, that's uh, that's getting uh, that's pretty getting pretty cold. Well, we know the, uh, you know, we're looking at now the they're starting to come with the uh, derby prep races a little bit uh, faster and uh, furious now. As we get into the end of January, we're going to move into February. And all the racetracks like Gulfstream Park and Fairgrounds, Santa Anita, Aqueduct, they have all these prep races leading up to their big Kentucky Derby prep races. Of course, New York is the Wood Memorial. Santa Anita has the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, Fairgrounds will have the Louisiana Derby. And Gulfstream will have the Florida Derby. But coming up, and uh,
2: Oklahoma, Oklahoma also has the big race, um, the
3: Alcorn's race, um, the Arkansas Derby, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's in Arkansas, <laughs> yeah.
0: Last we checked,
3: <laughs> yes. In any case, upcoming, mm-hmm. upcoming uh, Derby prep races coming up, uh, the Lecomp, uh, of course, on Saturday, the Southwest, which is part of the Arkansas Derby uh, series, that comes up on the 27th of this month, and as we turn the play- page to February. The Robert Lewis will start off the Santa Anita Derby series. Uh that is on the third of February. The Holy Bull, starting off the Florida Derby series, is also on the third. And the Withers in New York, starting off the Wood Memorial Series, is also on the third. So we have three races that are come up the first weekend of February as far as the uh, Derby preps are. And of course, you know, it gets uh hot and heavier uh from from now on, that's for sure. As far as the the prep winners uh, so far this year for the Kentucky Derby at uh, the racetracks: the Jerome at Aqueduct was won by Drumroll Please. The Smarty Jones at Oaklawn was won by Catching Freedom. The Gun Runner, uh, was won by Track Phantom. By the way, this horse is named after Dave Valento, the Track Phantom handicapper, one of the uh, one of the owners who uh, subscribes to his uh, his uh, website and selections every day. Named this horse after him, so he won the Gun Runner. The Los Alamitos Futurity, of course, was won by Winstock, and the Remington Springboard Mile was won by Otto Conqueror. Conquer. So uh, no uh, household names yet, but uh, hey, you got to start somewhere, don't you?
2: You certainly do, and remember, it was only the first one of these uh, groups of of points. So uh, as, as time goes on, obviously they're going to be worth a lot more, and you're probably going to see the better runners or the ones that they have more hope for. But we're going to find out. The interesting question, Ralph, is who's moving horses from Baffert come January twenty ninth? You're telling me the Santa Anita race is February third or something, yeah, yeah. so. They're going to have to make a decision, and, uh, you know, we discussed the last week. It's certainly not fair to Baffert. It's certainly not fair to the horses or the owners, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of his owners boycotted the Derby in general and just forgot about it.
3: Well, uh, that did happen uh, the last couple of years, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: with a couple of the horses. Some owners, you know, some of them, they moved to Tim Yachtin and the other horses just refused to go. Yeah. So who are they hurting? Who's Churchill hurting? They're hurting the game, aren't they? More than anything else, it's not about Baffert. It's about the entire industry. So when you're you're shutting these horses out and and making owners choose between running in a race or get moving horses from there trainer, you know, there's loyalty involved in everything else. Uh, and what Churchill Downs is doing is a disgrace, a total disgrace. The guy had a penalty. He served the penalty. That's it. Time's up. Turn the page. Let's move forward. But, no, they continue to every year move the goalposts. Uh, I honestly believe they'll never let him run there again. I don't know how they legally get away with it, but uh, that's what they're attempting to do.
3: Well, we'll wait and see, that's for sure, but uh it does affect obviously the actual race. I mean, this is the whole point of everything is the Kentucky Derby, the race itself, and you always try to get the best 3-year-olds that are in training uh on that uh, Saturday to run in the race and uh, run the Kentucky Derby. The tradition is, uh, you know, strong and it is our America's premier race, that's for sure. And I think that uh, when you, when it comes to stuff like that, As long as he stays within the legalities and the parameters of all the legal things as far as, you know, the horses and the drugs and all that, you pay your penalty, you move on.
2: You get a speeding ticket, Ralph. You pay the penalty. You lose your license if it's your 25th ticket or whatever it is. And then when your penalty is up, you get your license back and you get to drive again. But uh, not in Churchill Downs.
3: (laughs) Well, yes, not in Churchill Downs, that's for sure. But we will wait and see. that uh, That is... uh... Uh we got to, I mean, by the end of the month, these owners got to make their decisions.
2: Yeah, I think it's like two weeks or whatever, maybe yeah. three weeks and, and that's it. Three yeah. weeks exactly Yeah. Tomorrow.
3: Yeah, come on. I mean, you know, that's uh, something for sure. Not
2: only that, it's, it's a crucial point in all these horses' careers. They're three months out or five months out from the Derby. Now's the time, you know, when the heavy training gets going. And
3: uh, I don't know it just it just seems extremely unfair to me well the LeCompte is coming up on uh saturday at the fairgrounds. saturday by the way uh, is a big day at the fairgrounds you're going to have six stakes races two grade 3s uh, uh that include the LeCompte, six races overall but the LeCompte is the one uh that of course starts uh, their trek uh down there in new orleans on the way to the floor uh to the uh the louisiana derby and then of course the kentucky derby and uh, they drew for that field. They have eight in it. And your Mr. Cox uh, has awesome road in that race. And um, and Nash, two horse, two three-year-olds that um, I'm not too familiar with. Uh, give us a fill in on that.
2: Nash, they were extremely high on after his first race. He won uh, rather easily, and uh, believe me, he's loaded, Ralph. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, picking between vanilla ice cream or chocolate ice cream. They're all good, and you didn't decide what you like. But it's it's still early. He has a pulse, his hand on the pulse. He knows which are the good ones. I would say that these aren't the top top horses that he has, but uh, I know they were very high on Nash early.
3: Well, there is a field of eight. We'll run them down for you, post-position-wise. And the uh, number one slot will be next level, uh, David Cohen riding for Keith DeSermo. The two is Nash. Florent Garreau, uh, Brad Cox, number one uh, rider, gets the mount on there for Brad. The three is Tizzy Indy, James Graham for Keith DeSermo. So Keith DeSermo has a couple in that race. And then you have Can uh, Group, the four-horse, Jareth Ludberry riding for Mark Cassie. The five is Ethan Energy, Luis Saez for Brad Cox. Cox has three in the race, actually. Uh, The six is Lat Long, uh, Brian Hernandez Jr. for Kenny McPeak. The seven is the aforementioned Track Phantom. Joel Rosario coming to ride for Steve Asmussen. And uh, Awesome Road is the eight. That is, of course, Cox's third horse in the race. Axel Concepcion will be riding there. And Track Phantom, believe it or not, is the nine-to-five morning line choice there.
2: Well, his last race, he was an impressive winner out of that race. So, you know, he ran the last best race coming in. Let's see if he could uh, continue to improve, or let's see if he's going to react off of that
3: race. Well, we'll wait and see. That's for sure, Jonathan. Uh, as I say, a big uh, racing day at the fairgrounds. Six stakes races. Laurel Park will have uh, four stakes races. That's for sure. Aqueduct, Gulfstream, Oaklawn, Santa Anita, and uh, Turfway Park all check in with a a single stakes race on Saturday's card. And on Sunday, uh, we'll have uh, stakes races at Aqueduct, Gulfstream, and Santa Anita. So another weekend of, uh, you know, uh, outside of fairgrounds, kind of a light weekend as far as stakes races, but certainly we're leading up to the Pegasus World Cup that comes up on the 27th, which is one week from Saturday, and that'll be a big day of racing, with seven stakes races, two grade ones, two grade twos, three grade threes, and, of course, the Pegasus World Cup, the Pegasus World Cup Turf, and now they have the Pegasus World Cup Philly Mare turf. Right. So, they're, so each year they
2: biggest one of their biggest days of the year. You know, they have the Florida Derby after that and other big races. But this is their, their it's certainly the first biggest day of the year there.
3: And, you know, uh, it seems like year by year they're putting brick by brick. They're trying to make the Pegasus World Cup something mirroring something like the uh, the Breeders' Cup.
2: Well, originally, if you remember, it was like a $12 million race, and you had to pay all kinds of money to get in and to reserve stalls and everything else. Then they came back to to Earth, and they made it uh, whatever, a million-dollar race. I'm not sure, but you're right. Now they're trying to build it up again, but now they're doing it the right way. It's not just one race. It's a whole day of races, and uh, it's a mini Breeders' Cup. That's the best way to describe it.
3: Yeah, it's kind of nice to have kind of a, a day like that early in the year with the early developers and late in the year at the Breeders Cup for the year-end awards that, that I I kind of like that uh, balance. Yeah, that's spaced out
2: fine. You got plenty of time between the Pegasus and and the Breeders Cup, but you know, you have the whole uh, fall and spring and and summer until you get back to uh to the Breeders Cup. So that's a good thing, Ralph. And not only that, all these races and these big days on top of each other, you want them spaced out so horses can point to them and show up and you get nice field sizes and and good days of racing.
3: Not only that, uh, Jonathan, but, uh, you know, uh, now that you have uh, those type of races there and and then, of course, uh, the Dubai World Cup is a big day of racing in Dubai and that comes, uh, you know, uh, you know, early in the year. And you have the Saudi World, the Saudi Cup now that's throwing $20 million at somebody over there. Thank you very much. Every time I think about the Saudi, every time I get gas, I think about the Saudi Cup. But in any case, uh, you know, now, I mean, they've got those big, th- those multi-million dollar races. Uh, it seemed that uh, the Pegasus World Cup is better served this way then throwing $12 million into one race, and some guys aren't going in that race. They're going to go, like, for example, why DiBario is going to the Saudi Cup? Because of the money.
2: Exactly.
3: Well, All right, uh, I guess we need to get some picks, uh, you know. Okay, let's look
2: at Tampa Bay first. They're running at Tampa today. And th- and I like uh, the third race today. And the number two horse in here, final verdict, the four-year-old Colt from the Brian Lusk barn. This horse has three career starts. He's improving each and every one of them. He cuts back to five and a half furlongs today. Jose Alonzo aboard to ride nine to two on the morning line. I like number two final verdict to win today's third race out of Tampa Bay Downs.
3: Oh, I like that final verdict is uh, set at nine to two, by the way, the five to two second choice in the race swing. Sammy has been scratched. Uh, that'll lead L Chirel, Uh, the one horse as the prohibitive favorite in the morning line at three to two, but you are nice. Uh, believe it or not, when I say nine to two is juicy in this race, it is. And that's your pick. The two final verdict in the, uh, in the, uh, Third race at uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, Gulfstream, we got a Gulfstreamer?
2: Yeah, we're going to look at the seventh race today, a mile and a 16th on the turf. And I like the number six horse in here, Ipamina Princess, a four-year-old filly from the Patrick Bean Comb Barn. Riders switch today to Austin Murphy. This is one of the leading uh, riders uh, on the other side of the pond. Uh, he's really good. This four-year-old filly listed at six to one on the morning line. I like number six. Upamina Princess to win today's seventh race out at Gulfstream Park.
3: Patrick B. And Cone, uh Ipamina Princess, an Irish bread, number six in that uh, seventh race. And uh, I would imagine it's going to stay on the turf, right?
2: So far, so
3: good. So but you far. never know there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So far, so good. That's for sure. Anything else on your mind before we let you go? That'll do it, Ralph. All right. You got it, my man. Thanks so much. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. Stay
2: safe and be well.
3: Thank you. All right. Don't forget to get Jonathan's picks uh, on his website. That's for sure. Coming up next, we got Rich Ang going to talk a little bit about football now. The NFL, the divisional playoffs are at hand on Saturday and Sunday, and it's their march to the Super Bowl, which happens to be right here in our backyard, the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Getting all excited about that, too. Don't go away. We will be right back.
1: Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is committed to helping our nation's heroes and their families in their darkest hours. When a first responder or veteran doesn't return home and leaves behind a young family, Tunnel to Towers supports them. The foundation pays off their mortgages and lifts their financial burdens through their Gold Star Family Home Program and Fallen First Responder Home Program. Through their Smart Home Program, catastrophically injured veterans and first responders regain their independence with a mortgage-free home, specially a Adapted to meet their unique physical needs. Tunnel to Towers also provides housing assistance and services to our nation's homeless veterans through their Homeless Veteran Program. They are helping more than 2,000 in 2023 because no veteran should be living on the streets of the country they signed up to protect. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices made by our nation's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org.
3: back on race day Las Vegas for this Wednesday we're ramping it up here in Las Vegas especially since the derby will be right down the street from us at uh, Allegiant Stadium and this town is getting cranked up for it i could tell you people are preparing all over the place you see ad banners now these big building wrap wrap arounds on the, all the big hotels uh, you know uh, with the advertising for the su- uh, the super bowl even the uh, walkways going across uh, the walkways above the uh, strip going across all of them are getting advertising as well. Um, and, of course, the Super Bowl is a big thing. We're going to bring in now Rich Eng. Good morning, Rich. Hey,
4: good morning, Ralphie. And, uh, yeah, Super Bowl week's going to be really huge in this town because uh, a lot more people come to Las Vegas than just the people who have tickets for the game. There's going to be, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of fans and uh, a lot of people with the, uh, the, the two teams in the league. So we're looking forward to it.
3: It's always been a big, big day, a big weekend here in Las Vegas, uh, whether the game is played down the street or or across the country, because uh, people come to Las Vegas for the atmosphere and the celebration of the uh, Super Bowl. Not only is it the actual game for three hours, but all the activity before and afterwards, just a a great weekend. And I know that here at the South Point, uh, this is a big property for Folks that, uh, you know, go to the Strip and never venture down here. If you came down to the uh, South Point, you'd be uh, immensely surprised at the huge uh, footprint this uh, this ho- hotel has here. And it's got uh, major ballrooms on the second floor. And every one of the ballrooms are at capacity for the Super Bowl. They have Super Bowl parties, etc. in all the ballrooms. They have, of course, the Super Bowl that will be played here in the sports book behind me when the races are over and the races you know conclude uh, they get done before the Super Bowl they turn that into uh, you know screening for the Super Bowl you've got the Grandview lounge the showroom and all the ballrooms etc it's uh, you know this thing this place is packed I could say possibly uh, 10,000 people between seventy five hundred and ten thousand people will be here celebrating the Breeders Cup I mean the uh, Super Bowl possibly the Breeders Cup too but the Super Bowl uh, right here on this property. A lot of great parties here.
4: Yeah, and that's just one property. Up and down the Strip, it's going to be absolutely packed and Super Bowl parties. And uh, I must admit personally, Ralph, I did have a chance in the early 90s when I was working at Santa Anita. They uh, hosted the Super Bowl one year and it uh, was played at the Rose Bowl. And uh, I had a chance to go to some of the NFL events pregame. And uh, uh, unbelievable. It's it's un- And that was 30 years ago. I'm sure they do it. 10, 20 times bigger than it did back then.
3: Oh, yeah. They've got uh, a big lot off of the uh, strip that they're making the the NFL experience, uh, uh, you know, that uh, venue uh, open. It's going to be, it's just, uh, you can feel it coming, too, because people are starting to prepare already. Now we get the wild card, uh, you know, uh, playoffs out of the way. The survivors are moving to, of course, the divisional playoffs, and these are going to be good games coming up this weekend. Wow.
4: Yeah, you know, last weekend there was only really one competitive game. It was a really good game. It was the Rams and the Lions? Lions win by a point, but they did not cover. Uh, you know, last week was a, an, an old adage that kind of came true. There's a saying that if you can just pick the winner of a National Football League game, you'll cover the point spread sixty to sixty five percent of the time. And uh, last week, uh, if they, of the six winners, they went five and one against the spread. But of course, you had to find Teams like the Texans who won, you to find the Packers, uh, you know, who, who won. And so, so it's not always easy. But sometimes just picking the winners kind of simplifies things.
3: Uh, Richie, I gotta, uh, we'll get your selections for the, uh, this weekend's games coming up. Uh, but the, there's going to be great matchups, that's for sure. But I think the most disappointing team of all, obviously, over the past weekend was the Dallas Cowboys. What happened?
4: Yeah, between the uh, Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles, they did not represent the NFC East uh, uh, with much valor. Uh, you know, before you had a chance to sit down and uh, have a couple slices of pizza, Dallas was losing twenty-seven to nothing. <laughs> and, and Dak Prescott, admittedly, if you saw his quotes post game, he said, yeah. "I stunk," and he he was right. He he absolutely stunk. And the stats that he padded in the second half made it look like he played okay. But he did not play okay. He he really helped take Dallas right out of the football game, early.
3: I got to tell you, coming up this weekend, they better watch out for Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. They are uh, right now the hot team going into the weekend playoffs.
4: Yeah, you know, the interesting thing about the, the two early games in which the number one seeds are playing host to uh, Ravens or hosting the Texans, and the 49ers are hosting the Packers, is that, uh, you know, if you've got the two hot young quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud mm-hmm. and uh, Jordan Love, but the point spreads are off. They both opened up right around 10, and uh, it, it seems kind of high because, you know, just from uh, my knowledge and also just listening to some of the shows, you know, people thought the lines would might open up around 7, seven and a half, eight, ten 10 is a little extreme, and I think what the bookmakers are trying to do is to to make you pay a premium. If you like the Ravens uh, and the 49ers, but I really don't see a whole lot of movement off those numbers. So uh, you know, tens a lot of points are right, in the National Football League against two hot teams. But uh, I mean, just to win the football game, you, you got to like the Ravens and you got to like the 49ers. I think they're far superior to the teams that uh, you know were upset by the um, uh, Texans and the, the Packers, meaning the Dallas Cowboys and the Cleveland Browns.
3: Well, we will wait and see, and obviously we'll get more of what you like and how you uh, intend to uh, play these games a little bit later on in the week. And, of course, we'll get your selections when San Anita resumes on Friday. want to thank you so much for a little preview there, Richie. We will talk to you tomorrow.
4: Hey, thanks, Ralph. Good luck, everybody.
3: All right, coming up next, John Lendo on the state of what's going on in racing in Southern California. We know the uh, field sizes have been a little anemic, but now what's up? We'll wait and see from uh, John and, of course, uh, Jerry Jackowicz will be with us as well. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Want to bet your favorite horse but can't make it to the race book? South Point Casino's Racebook has the answer. race day las vegas show the only exclusive daily local media racing information source in las vegas
3: all right back on race day las vegas for this wednesday show cranking it up as we move through the uh, week that's for sure i'm going to bring in john lendo now no racing in southern california although the weather would uh, be just great for uh, the racing there in southern california but no racing today Uh, as by design john lendo good morning
5: Good morning, Ralph. How you
3: doing? I'm doing fine. I want to know how Southern California Racing is doing. We know as gamblers we see the end result as light fields and shorter racing days and racing cards on many occasions. But now I understand the racetracks have sent a letter to the California Horse Racing Board that uh, doesn't look so good.
5: Well, you know, we've talked off the air. Uh, there's been a lot of issues going on, and in the letter that was sent to the, uh, you know, by the tracks, uh, Del Mar, Los Alamitos, uh, the TOC, and uh, you know, the Southern California f- uh, groups, uh, they pointed out a-, a number of things which are going to be have to be addressed and be addressed right now. And first of all, you know, we talk about we saw the big reduction in purses at, at Golden Gate, down twenty five percent, because there was an overpayment of purses starting that meet up there of you know over two million dollars. Well. Santa Anita began this winter meet with an overpayment of purses of $4 million. And uh, yeah, $4 million that, that they're in the hole to start the meet. And uh, Del Mar, when we get down there this summer, they overpaid purses last year by $2 million. And you have to remember the purses are generated out here, not by alternative gaming revenue. It's all by handle. So when you get the smaller fields, people are going to bet a little bit less and it's a cycle. It just kind of keeps going that way. And, uh, you know, these are things that uh, we're going to have to figure out how to keep this going and where the money's going to come from to make purses competitive with, with what you're seeing back east. We're never going to be at those numbers because we don't have the casino money coming in. But we've got to do something to, to at least make it competitive. And just to give you an idea of what we're dealing with, Ralph, uh, from 2003 to 2023. So over the last 20 years, the full crops in California are down 66 percent. The number of races run in Southern California are down 39%. And the number of runners that have run in those races is down 42%. So obviously it's a sliding scale. It's a spiral. And I don't know how you stop this. Uh, And uh, there's a very important California horse racing board meeting tomorrow where they've got to come up with a plan for the last part of this year as far as is there going to be any racing after Golden Gate and the fairs end in Northern California and if not, can that gaming re- that, that simulcast revenue come down to Southern California to help not only pay the purses, but to pay that big HISA bill that we have to pay for all that regulation when those regulations were pretty much adopted from California in the first place?
3: Well, John, uh, to be uh, you know to take a hard, long, hard look at this, obviously you've got uh, the, the gamblers, the players, the the. Revenue from gambling is what, that's the fuel for everything. If you start shortening up days, if you start shortening up uh, the racing cards from 9 and 10 to 8, you know, I mean, we have the big cards on the weekend. And certainly uh, the racing days now, I mean, you're going Friday. Uh, we used to run Wednesday through Sunday. And then, of course, uh, the actual size of the fields, you know, it, it's cramping. Um, you got to have the the end results got to be the, the, the product in order to create the revenue that, uh, you know, uh, keeps everything up above it in good order. And without the casino, uh, you know, the ca- racing around the country has been uh, propped up by the casino revenue that they have there. But in the state of California, the Indian reservations have so much political power in that state that uh, there's no way in the world that you're going to get casino wagering at racetracks.
5: Well, the other thing to remember too, Ralph, is that the, the wagering dollar on track such a, a you know a much bigger percentage of that wagering dollar goes to the track for purses and things uh, than the money that comes in by ADW companies and off-track satellites. Yeah. And now the vast majority of money is wagered off-site and wagered through ADW companies. And to be honest, that the tracks have marketed not to bring the horse players to the track but to bring, you know, the casual fan to the racetrack. And that's not driving the handle on track that you need. So, uh, you know, the, there's things that everybody has to take a look at and try and make some adjustments and, and try and get this going in the right direction.
3: Well, uh, you know, I'm sure you can't read minds, but what do you think is, is up ahead?
5: We'll find out. Uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the racetracks have in mind. I'll be listening to the, the uh, California Horse Racing Board meeting tomorrow. To see where it's going, but uh, you can't kick the can down the road at this point. You've got to address this stuff. You've got to take some hard stands, and you got to get going. There's just no excuse not to at this point.
3: Well, we will keep an eye on what's going on there. I know you will keep an eye on it for us, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll get to see what uh, the the future holds for California. But uh, you know, uh, Jonathan and I talked about this, uh, you know, several weeks ago, and certainly on the air. And uh, for all the horses that are up in northern California, if they just ran five days a week at Santa Anita and made Wednesday and Thursdays the Golden Gate type of meet with those horses and those horsemen, etc., and then uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the way they have it now, uh, that might help because you can utilize the facility. You don't have to have two. You just have one facility. It's all in southern California, and the horsemen are down there. I know the expenses in southern California are uh, a lot. But I got to tell you, Northern California is not a bargain either. You know, it's quite high to live up there, too. The cost of living up there is just as high.
5: Well, one of the uh, proposals on the table in that letter was to try and change the restrictions on on the type of thoroughbreds that can race at Los Alamitos at night. Mm -hmm. Right now, you can only race at four and a half furlongs, and the timing price has to be $5,000 or less. So if they can change it and open up the distances, and, and, uh, you know, maybe raise the, the, the ceiling for the claiming price of the horses down there. That might open up some avenues for those horses from Golden Gate to come down and compete under the lights of Los Alamitos and transition to Santa Anita as well.
3: Not to mention the fact they can give Los Alamitos a few more days to do it too. That's for sure.
5: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that would be fine. They only race two days a week yeah. now. We could add a Friday there.
3: Yeah. yeah. No question about that. Hey, John, I know you're going to keep tabs on this as well. And don't forget, on Friday, we got that carryover in the pick six left over from Martin Luther King Monday. Tomorrow, you'll be doing a sheet for Gulfstream.
5: Got Gulfstream for tomorrow. we we'll go back to San Anita on Friday.
3: You got it. Thanks a lot, John, uh, to give us an update on that, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.
5: You got it. Good luck, Ralph.
3: Now we're going to go to Jerry Jackowitz standing by. Let's see. Uh, oh, Jerry's got his uh, Raiders cap on today. Good morning, Jerry. Yeah,
6: good morning. Um, looking forward to them uh, maybe uh, confirming Antonio Pierce is the uh, yeah. head coach. And giving the uh, the new GM, uh, I forget his name, but give him a chance to do his thing and see if we can't keep keep, keep the mojo going in Raider World.
3: Yeah, I am all for uh, giving that coach uh, the job. No question about that. Antonio Pierce, uh, I think he relates to the players very much. And uh, I think that uh, with a few more guys needed in, maybe in the draft, etc., and a full year of a uh, preseason practice, et cetera, for them, they can kind of get uh more uh, conducive together. And, and as a team, that's for yeah. sure. All right. Well, Jerry, uh, you, uh, wanted to talk a little bit about value today. Well,
6: you know, it's one of the philosophy we've talked about it on the show about how to build your, um, you know, how to build your play from your handicapping to your betting. And as I explained uh, with me, it was always if I had value and I had a horse I really liked and I thought it was fair value, I started with exactors and maybe some trifectas. That made up like 80 or 90% of my betting, um, other than my pick-six betting. But that made up, you know, 80 to 90% of my betting. And then after that, pick-threes and pick-fours became sort of an afterthought based on some other ideas. And the reason for that was – Number one, I wanted to cash right there when when my horse finished first or second. Because so again, my play is very win and place, more than not win place, but win and then place. And um, I wanted to cash right there and then, and then go to the next play. I didn't. I wanted one to win and then take the money to the next one and make my decision going forward. And that always really worked very very well for me and. To be honest I really learned the philosophy from Richie Schwartz so uh, who is probably the greatest player of my generation uh, by far and away the greatest player of my generation
3: Now Jerry uh, you know you mentioned when and but not the place bet but when and finishing second and that's when you utilize that reverse play that we always talk about right. on the show where you take your key horse bet them to win, and then you put them on top in the exactus with your link-up horses. And then you reverse your link-up horses to the key horse. So if the horse is a little bit short or something and runs second, that's where you can cash. And sometimes with the link-ups that are a bigger price, you get to cash a bigger uh, return. You'll have a bigger return than you would if the horse won. That happened, by the way, at Santa Anita on Sunday where you gave uh, Big Rainbow. Uh, that, Of course, the payoff didn't happen, but the the philosophy Uh, Big, big rainbow Mm -hmm. finished second, the Panda Peak. Panda Peak, uh, you know, was the second favorite in the race. And because uh, you had that reverse, uh, that dollar exacta paid $4.90. But the reverse, if you used it with and uh, went uh, one extra spot into the trifecta, another link up ran third. And that trifecta paid $23.70, which is is, uh, your point.
6: Right, exactly. And if you... Realized it was a five-horse field in in, in that Santander Ridge. You would have definitely been looking to go, particularly with the favorite running second, you'd have been looking for the uh, trifectas for third to really. You you wouldn't be, it, it was just common sense to go ahead and, and, and fill out the tr- with trifectas as opposed to with exactus, uh, where where you were using the favorite in the second position. But, you know, hopefully people understood that, could figure it out. If not, they can always call me or send me an email and I'll answer them. And But the best example of this that I have ever seen was something I was involved with, oh, almost 30 years ago, uh-huh. just about 30 years ago with my ex-partner, Kerry Fodius, magnificent horse player, and terrific guy in, in so many ways. Um, but he was stuck on the notion that Daily Doubles produced a 25% premium, which they did, you know, and probably still do but the problem with 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 that that is there's no way to hedge out into better plays in other words you have to win and you have to win again and then all of your secondary plays become unimportant and we used to argue back and forth and in this one situation where he was betting for us he was you know sometimes he would do the betting sometimes i would do the betting we'd agree on the handicapping in the morning and talk a few times during the day mm-hmm. We had this Kai Jensen horse in the ninth race we wanted to bet. It was going to be around four or five to one. and Kai Jensen was a trainer. And um, he made the bet, the daily double, from the eighth race into the ninth race at um, Aqueduct. And what I did is I bet the eighth. And I knew he was going to do it, and I was sort of upset about it because we were arguing about it. So, so I just made an extra bet for us. I went in on my own, and I went, and I bet the eighth race in the exactors, and then I bet the ninth race in the exactors. And what happened... To make a long story short, Kai Jensen's five-to-one shot ran second in the ninth race, so the daily double he had completely disappeared. Meanwhile, I won the eighth race with our play. And my play in the ninth race, which I could see, and I could manipulate the exact exact bets because I could see the actual payoffs, Rudy Rodriguez, one of the horses we like, went off at 40-to-1 and actually won the race, paid $92, and I got a $900 exact at Uh, which ended up to be about a $4,000 payoff all in all in the ninth race. Mm. And Kerry came on me. He was delighted because he made us $800. And I said, "Yeah, well, that was nice, Kerry. Here's $4,500 from our two plays in the eighth and ninth race. Yeah, well. Yeah, and just simply by using value in the last race
3: and getting a little lucky with one of your secondaries. Well, all I can say, Jerry, is that was a, a nice uh, scenario, but uh, you never make a long story short. And so with that in mind, <laughs> with that in mind, we have now wrapped up the show for today. But I want to thank you so much, and I wanted to give you enough time to really uh, explain this this philosophy, because picking winners is not all of it, it's just half of it. One more thing to say for today, and you're going to say it. <laughs>
2: Have a great race day, everybody.